0: will be in Philippians chapter 3. So take your Bible, we'll be we continue this series that we've been doing on this one thing. And uh, tonight it will make a lot of sense, especially when we get to kind of the, some of the core passages that support what we've been doing through this. If I was to subtitle this one thing, I would make this book about, or this chapter right here, the subject of Beware. Um, you're going to see at the very beginning uh, of how he comes up and and he talks about beware of these certain things. And he he pulls these things up and he brings them to our mind for us to be conscious of. And so uh, I'll I'll explain that when we get to this. Uh, When I was a teenager, um, we had a really big vacation Bible school. Uh, A lot of times my mom ran vacation Bible school, so you can kind of see We're like, Pastor Dave and us have gotten that vibe that that we grew up in that. We would take care of the skits and the puppets and all the activities and things like that. But part of our activity, too, of being a small church is we not only help run Vacation Bible School, but part of our responsibility is going passing out the flyers. So every day, we actually took a team to go out, and it's normally the teenagers, and we'd go pass them out. Well, in Alabama, everybody had a dog. I mean, every other house had a dog. And if they didn't have a dog, they still probably had the sign on their fence that said, beware of dog. And, uh, we, we would go there, a group of teenage boys would stand at the gate, and we were like, do you think they really have a dog? And of course, the, 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 you know, the guys would start challenging each other and say, well, one of us has to go in. And of course, we would walk through that gate, not knowing if it was a chihuahua or, you know, a bulldog or whatever. We didn't know. But the way that it would, just the the sign that said, beware, you would literally be waiting for that little yipe or that dog to lunge out or for the dog to come out of the doghouse or whatever, and you would literally walk up to the driveway or the, the door, foot by foot, watching all around you, waiting for it. And I'm not kidding, many, many times you saw them sprint and turn around the other day with that first bark and then leap over that fence to get to the other guy's. But this passage right here addresses some of those things. And he, he gets into this, beware. Guys, I, I'm going to tell you right now, and he's telling this church at Philippi, guys, beware of this. And so he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now, first of all, we know that Paul was a Baptist preacher because he's only halfway done with the book. But he's already saying, guys, I'm wrapping things up. OK, so if you ever hear pastors say, finally, my brethren, you know he's, he's probably only about halfway done. But he says, finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. And uh, uh, G1, when he was here, our missionary, got up and he preached on that rejoice in the Lord. And he was talking, but he used this actual one. He said, to write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And so first of all, I want to kind of go through and just notice, and there's so much to bring out in these passages, but the rejoice in the Lord— And I I know G1 focused on this. and He was talking about Paul being in jail. He's in jail. That was kind of a routine for him. And he's saying from jail, rejoice evermore. Now you think about, and I know the other guys have already referenced back to this and and kind of pulled some of these things out. But think about that. Who was sitting in that church as they're reading this letter from Paul? Well, it was the, was the, the Philippian jailer would have been one of them. You know, and it was, he was writing to the church of Philippi. The Philippi church was started there on that missionary journey. That You got Lydia, the lady, the seller of purple. And then you have the Philippian jailer. And he had his family that was saved. So you can imagine by that time, that dude could have been a deacon. He could have been one of the leaders. He was changed. You can imagine them reading this saying, rejoice in the Lord. Well, Paul is in jail, guys. You can imagine he's up there going, man, I've got this letter. And he says, rejoice every more. Man, that, that's weird. You can imagine the Philippian jailer maybe saying, can I, can I testify? Could I interject something? Say, guys, I'm one of the only ones here that could personally testify to this. But I can tell you that when Paul says something like that, he authentically means it with all of his heart. You can imagine Tim telling the story. He said, well, I, I know you guys have heard this story a thousand times, but I'll never forget the day that I met Paul when he was drugged down the halls and brought in that prison, and there's screaming, and there's yelling, and there's cursing like there is every single night of that, my life of doing that job. But that night was different. About midnight, it got quiet, and all of a sudden we heard one voice followed up by another voice of singing. And of course, we always imagine what the song would be, "'Tis so sweet the trust in Jesus," or whatever. And I know they didn't have our songs and stuff like that, a whole, whole different era, but said, so I can tell you guys that there was, a, there was a calm across the whole place. Paul would have, that, that Philippian jailer would have stood and testified in that day and says, when Paul says the words rejoice, he means it. Because I was there when he was in jail. I heard him rejoice because the rejoicing was found in Christ, not in his circumstances. So he's writing this church that was obviously going through some tough times and some opposition. And Paul says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And remember your placement is in Christ. And he reiterates that a number of times. But he said, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. There are certain passages, there are certain things that pastors do that... Have you ever noticed that some pastors, they go back to the same things... One of the things that I do as a pastor, I already know it, okay, Uh, I I love preaching and referencing and and starting point in church and everything, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, because it is the one reference that is used over and over and over again about go to church. If I'm going to use it, I want people to know what it means. If we're going to be the church and we're going to come together, I want to wrap my mind and my heart around there, and that's why I even referenced that this morning But inside of this passage right here, he's saying, hey, let me tell you guys, I know I've already said some of these things, but it's good that I tell you these things. It's safe. It will keep you protected. Now, notice here's the first beware, okay? Beware of spiritual troublemakers, okay? Or or I could put it like this, beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. And you say, well, that's creative. No, it's really not creative. Read verse two. Uh, Beware of dogs. There it is right in scripture. Beware of evil workers. Stop. Beware, be careful. All three of these have the same meaning. Be like of us saying something like, if we're referencing somebody that low down, good for nothing, backstabbing, he, he gets on this run and he's talking about these Judaizers that are coming in and they're adding to salvation, and here they are free because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And they go through and tell them and say, Unless you're being circumcised, you guys are all still going to hell. Paul was worked up about it. He said, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me tell you what Jesus said. You don't add to anything. The cross was the final word, the cross finished everything. The cross is the blood of Jesus Christ, and everything is salvation. And he said, let me do it like this. We would say it like this. In our culture, we wouldn't say beware of dogs. We would say, hey, watch out for those rats that will come. You know what I'm saying? That you guys, how many of you have ever used that phrase? You know, watch out for that rat. You're referencing some some guy that's trying to deceive the neighborhood or sell you something, whatever. It's It's, it's a phrase that they would use in their cultures. Watch out for those dogs. In that culture, dogs ran everywhere. They would run in packs, they would they they were they were angry, they were hungry, they didn't have like we would did the Humane Society that would just wrap them up and put them in a nice little cage and take care of them. It wasn't like that. So these packs of dogs would get bigger and bigger. And as they would breed and as they would grow in packs, they would go around. And they, would, they were literally just troublemakers. They would get in your trash. They would rip out and try to take things from you. They would corner you. And, and he was comparing these Judaizers or these spiritual troublemakers as spiritual dogs, He said, they're they're, going to try to ruin things. They track you down. They're they're a bunch of rats. When David went before Goliath, he said in that phrase, he said, am I a dog that you send a boy to me? Literally referencing, derogatory during that time. And Paul is saying inside of here the same things. He said, beware of these guys. Beware of them that cause trouble. Beware of them that are, are stirring up issues. He said, and the same thing is true today. Guys, we have to be very conscious of anybody that comes into the church and adds anything to the gospel. Anybody that says there's another way. I'll, I'll, I'll go on. He, he says this and he follows up with this. He says, beware of your flesh or beware of deceiving yourself. Now, I'll be honest, when I would talk about my flesh, I always talked about our flesh being tempted with sin. But the flesh... Is another type of temptation. I'm not saying this isn't sin, but let me explain this. He says, for we are the circumcision. He's he's addressing the dogs that have said and try to add to salvation. He said, guys, let me put it like this. We are the circumcision. We are the sign that we've been separated unto Christ. In the Old Testament, they had to do that. It was an outward symbol that we are followers of Jehovah, of God. In the New Testament, he said, Hey guys, the fact that we're saved, born-again Christians with the Spirit of God, he said, We are the called out, we are the separated. He said, We're the living examples of this. Which worship God in spirit and to rejoice in Christ Jesus. And have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have thereof, he might trust in his flesh. I am more. Paul is saying like this. He said, let me tell you, if there's anybody out there that builds himself up in the flesh, he said, let me tell you guys, it's me. I love the humbleness of Paul. You know what I'm saying? Anything that he was using and preaching through there, he'd just say, hey guys, let me tell you, I'd messed up. Let me tell you guys, I've not arrived. I'm not, I don't have it all figured out. And he says in this passage, he said, listen to this. He starts testifying. Verse five is his testimony. And I'll go back and explain circumcised the eighth day. He's telling, he says, let me tell you guys about me. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day. He said, I was of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. It's touching the law. He said, I'm a Pharisee. You can can see all these outward things that he's talking about. He's talking about the physical things that he's done. He's talking about battling with the flesh. Here's the things, the the same things that we struggle with. It's not the temptation of language or the temptation of lust and all those other things. He said, guys, if we're not careful in my flesh, I will think that I have arrived. That that I've done so much good that God must be happy with me because of my good. Guys, let me tell you now. All of our good, let me put it like this before you judge me on this. All of our good is as dung. Paul's about to say this. The word dung means waste. All of my good deeds, Paul is going through, and, he, and if you notice in there of that passage, he says, he said, on the eighth day, did, my parents did everything right. On the eighth day, they brought me to the temple and I was circumcised. I was set apart and said, and this boy belongs to God. He did the right thing. He said, I'm of the stock of Israel. He said, let me tell you guys, I came from the thoroughbred of who are God's chosen people. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Hebrew of the Hebrews be like saying I'm a Christian of the Christians he said you want to talk about the law I'm a Pharisee now to us that's derogatory back then a Pharisee meant I know the law I have a double doctorate in the law you want to talk about good deeds you want to talk about arriving sometimes guys we will in our christian lives we start st- stacking up all of our good yeah i'll do it i'll do it you guys look at me look at me okay look at look at can i tell you how great i am i, I grew up in a christian home my mom was saved and my dad was saved i started off in k5 k4 in, in a christian school i had a christian education I had vacation Bible school every single year. I graduated from the uh, uh, Awana program. I went to Christian school. I went to Christian college. I graduated from both of those. I knew my education when it came to the Lord. I, I graduated with trophies and all this. You sit there and say, wow, look at all that. I didn't know what it was like to miss church. You know what all those things are? They're acts. They're deeds. They're, they're all good things. That's what Paul is saying here. He said, you want to describe good people? I'll describe to you a good person. I'll tell you all the things that I've done. He goes on. Now, some of this isn't going to look like a compliment whatsoever is the other things that he says concerning zeal. You want to talk about being zealous for God? I persecuted the church. I'm going to say, oh, all right. <laughs> That's not exactly zealous. It was to him. To the Judaizers, to the ones that did not accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah, they looked at him and said, man, that's the man. As they rose up and they were like, hey, we've got a bunch of fanatics trying to pretend that the Messiah has come. Paul stood around and says, hey, I'll I'll take care of them. If they're going to... If they're going to go against our God, I'll be the first one to shut them down. He wasn't some sort of wild, crazy rebel like we paint him out of being some sort of ISIS terrorist. He was of the religious sect. He was of the good guys stepping up saying, I'll tell you what, I'll make them an example. He said, you want to talk about them? He said, I was zealous Man, I was. If there was a church that was going against the culture of what we believe to be right, he said, I was the first one to show up. I was the first one to burn it down. I was the first one to shut it down. You want to talk about zealous? I was zealous. I persecuted the church. So you want to talk about touching righteousness? You want to talk about the law that made us right and wrong? Blameless. Literally saying. I walked the line. Let let me tell you, I was scared to death of my parents growing up. If any of you guys know what I'm talking about, because in my house growing up, if you broke the rules, you got a spanking. No, you got a whooping. There's a difference between a spanking and a whooping. We got whoopings, okay? And it literally meant that there would be a belt and there would be the door closed and there would be a lot of tears And there was judgment. I lived under the law, okay? I know the law is the Old Testament, but in Alabama, in my house, I lived under the law still, okay? And I just remember that because it was the law, I remember to to follow it very carefully. Paul was saying, hey, whatever the law said, I did it perfectly. I followed it on the line. Blameless. He's saying in your mind, wow, he was pretty cocky. He's he's pretty built up on himself. Remember how he started. I don't put confidence in my flesh. As I tell you guys, confidence in our flesh, we'll look back on that and say, man, I grew up in church. I helped build this church. I've been in every program I've taught for so many years. I've given so much money. I've been to every missions conference. We'll almost like, I'm in pretty good standing when it comes to God. Let me show you my Christian resume. Let me show you my, uh, everything that I've done. And that we'll do that. Now listen to how he follows up. It may be in man's eyes. All those religious things. But one day God got a hold of him. And he realized that all of my works, all of my good deeds were nothing compared to the cross. Nothing. I could not earn my way. I could not be good enough. My double doctorate in, in, in as being a Pharisee, my good works, my good deeds, my heritage, my background, my everything, he said, is nothing. The reason why he was warning them of their flesh with this is because, guys, we fall in the same thing. Now, let, let me pick on something for a minute, and you guys will know what I'm talking about. In the world, in the world, they, they love to have tangible things to hold on to when it comes to religious things. Have you ever noticed that with Christianity, people don't want anything that to do with it when it comes to movies or TV, unless it's Catholic. And then if there's a Catholic, if, if there's a wedding and a movie, there will be a priest with a collar standing up there. Nobody says anything about it. If there is somebody that needs to get their life right, there will be a Catholic church. They will show them walking in, sitting in there, and Father comes out with his necklace and his clothing, and he'll sit down and he'll say, Father, I just lost my way. If there's confession, there'll be a confession booth. If there's prayers, there'll be lighting candles. You guys know what I'm talking about? Look at all movies. I mean, you, you watch movies, and why? Because our flesh gravitates towards, give me something tangible to hold on to. Give me something physical to do. What do I have to do to be right before God? Light that candle. Here we go, I'll light too. Say a prayer, give me the book. Confess my sins, give me somebody to talk to. We want tangible. Paul was saying all those things were tangible. They weren't spiritual. They weren't from my heart. They weren't right. And he said, those Judaizers, those dogs are trying to sneak into our church and try to drag and cause confusion and chaos. He said, it's not right. Verse 7, listen, with all that in mind, now read verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted, lost for Christ. Those things which were gained, the things that I thought were something, now I count them as a waste. They weren't nothing. My degrees, my prestige, my background, my heritage, all those things, all those works, all those religious deeds, all that stuff. Listen, verse 8. Yea, doubtless. Let me, let me say it the way we would say it. Without a doubt in my mind. That's how we would say it. Yea, Dallas. Without a doubt in my mind. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Now, now there's a key word in here that really brings to light what Paul was saying in this. He said, I count all things but loss for what? The excellency of the knowledge of Christ. The excellency means something better or something superior. He said, I look at everything that I have done. And we just read his resume. Okay, it was huge. All those things. And Paul said, let me tell you, out of all that, he said, I found something better. It's Jesus. And he raised it up. He said, knowing Jesus is better than all of that stuff finding the real deal and notice it wasn't a physical thing it wasn't lighting a candle it wasn't going to a church it wasn't saying a prayer to somebody what did he say he said which is the knowledge of christ jesus my lord you know what i love about this now remember in all of this that the the, the, these enemies these dogs that are coming in beware of these things what did they dislike more than anything The fact that they were following after a man named Jesus. Now notice what he says in that passage of what he calls it. The knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. You talk about just twisting the knife in the back of those guys that were irritated. Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, the one that died on the cross. My Lord, he said, the one I submit to. That's what he turned around and turned it to. He said, Guys, let me tell you about Jesus. He said, I counted all his waste because he said, I found the one that is superior. And by the way, he was Christ, he was Messiah. He died, he came back, and I follow him to the day I die. You talk about passion. He said, I count it as dung. And I know we know what the word dung means, but it doesn't mean just what you think it means. It means anything that is the lowest form of waste. Don't get distracted with how it ends with this. He said that I may win Christ. Have an understanding of what this word right here means. The word win also means gain. Okay, if you win, you achieve something. He said it also means gain. I gave up something from my past. All of that I count as dung. I counted as waste. I counted as uh, all those things that I thought that I was pursuing. And he turned around and he said, but look at what I've gained. I have Jesus Christ. You talk about a testimony of what Paul is saying here. He gives them the simple gospel. Notice verse nine. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Because, uh, he goes, uh, you can imagine, he's, he's preaching. He said, guys, it's, It's not what I've done. All these years of striving to achieve righteousness and to be good in all this, he said, which which is of the law? He said, honor that of a list of do's and don'ts. He said, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know what that was? He interjects in the middle of that, the gospel. He turns around and says, it's by faith, it's by Jesus, it's the righteousness of him, not in doing the law. But listen, this person of Paul had a heart and desire. Listen, he said, verse 10, that I may know him. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. He said, I, I, there was no power in what we did before. He said, you guys realize that it was do's and don'ts and rules and all this other stuff. But he said, now I can know the power of his resurrection I can experience that which brings life to that which is dead being made. And he said, in the fellowship of his suffering. Now, this is where it makes us really uncomfortable. You notice when people like to hear about Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ and living for God and everything, we want to stand up and say, hey, follow Jesus. And the blessings are, you know, you can't even count them. You're like, Amen. And we said, hey, when you follow Jesus, you get a home in heaven. Amen, and we, we say all these good things and blessings and the peace that passes all understanding. It's like, man, if we made a brochure about Jesus, man, it'd be filled, it's awesome. But at the same time, he said, let me tell you guys, I'm gonna follow Jesus and I'm gonna do what he did. But he said, I'm not just gonna fellowship with the victory that I have in Jesus Christ, but what also comes with it is the fellowship or the partnership is the same word as we've been studying on a Sunday morning. for fellowship. The partnership. I'm going to participate in the suffering of Jesus Christ, which literally means if you walk out of the doors of this church, anybody here, and you go out there and say, hey, by the way, the Lord, he is God. (laughs) Be ready. Everybody's not going to say, praise God for that young man right there. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. It'd be nice, but automatically you're going to turn around and say, who are you to say that there's only one way? Who are you Paul said, I'll tell you what, I've just made up my mind. When I chose Christ, I want the whole package. I want him in my life. I want the victory. I want the power of his resurrection. But he said, you know what, I'm going to partner with him. And the fact that he died giving us the gospel and giving us truth, he said, I will die giving out the truth. This is where we separate the men from the boys. This is where Jesus, when he was preaching, he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Everybody wants to go after Jesus, but I tell you guys, it's not easy. It, it, there, there's problems that come. He said, being made conformable unto his death. Literally saying, I, I, guys, I know that probably with me standing and preaching this and me going up to all these fanatics and saying, hey, by the way, you're a bunch of rats, bunch of dogs. You're, you know, you're a bunch of dogs. You're a bunch of scumbags running in the streets, destroying what we're trying to do as believers. He said, man, I know what I'm asking for. He said, by any means, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. His confidence was, it does not matter if I die or live. He said, I know if I die that I'm going to be with Christ. I'll experience the same resurrection, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of, of Christ Jesus. He is speaking now in sports terms. We do this all the time. I, I've done it. A lot of the other guys have done it when we're preaching and stuff like that. We'll switch over and say, you know, we're in the fourth quarter. It's, it's the two-minute warning is blown. And, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, I watch sports. I know what you're saying. Okay, it means that we got to get serious and, you know, pu- pull out the Hail Marys and, you know, the trick plays and all that other stuff. Man, it's time to get serious for God. And we get that. Well, Paul's doing the same thing, but he's doing it back in his day and age. His day and age was the Grecian games, okay? So everything we're about to get in right now, you got to think in sports terms. So he's saying this, he said, hey guys, not as though I had already attained. I've not won, I've not accomplished this yet. He said, I'm still running the race. Either we're made perfect or finished is what the word perfect, accomplished. I don't have the prize and I haven't crossed the line yet. But he said, I'm still going to follow after. He said, I'm still going to pursue that if I may apprehend that which for also I am apprehended of Christ. And was saying in there, he said that I may apprehend or take on the job that God's given me. And I'm going to finish it. That, that same reference is talking about running the race, which gets us to our second, our, our, our next beware. Uh, he says also, beware of past baggage. You know, you're going to think that's crazy. Think of everything that we've said so far. Think about how bad it bothered Paul he said man when I look back at my life of all my good deeds how how bad does it have to be to look back and say I count all that stuff as dung?" you think you think about it it's just just saying in our terms we turn back and say it was awful when I look back Paul says when I look back I've wasted so much time when I when I look back guys I'll be honest Paul was saying I'll be honest I still have flashbacks of tearing down churches. I have flashbacks of being so angry that that I've punched preachers and I've kicked and I was there when Saul was stoned. He said, man, I have flashbacks of that. He's still talking about the Grecian illustration. He's still in the sports terms, okay? Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it. He repeats himself with that. This one thing I do. He's getting serious. He said, I, I know I've said a lot, but he said, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys this one thing that I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now, that's not the one thing he does. But he has to tell you in order for him to do the one thing he does, I have to accomplish this. You realize how, some, how many Christians accept Jesus Christ with baggage. Now, I'm not going to ask you guys to, to raise your hands, but I, I know we all agree with that. We, we come to Christ with baggage. We if you were to look over your shoulder, and that was the illustration of the Grecian games, they got that illustration because when you're running a race, the last thing that you really want to do is constantly be doing this. You're going to end up tripping up. You're going to get distracted. You're looking over you're seeing how close they are. He said, the one thing that I do, I said, he said, I just forget those things which are behind Because what happens is we start remembering all of our failures and all of our faults. And hey, there's people in here right now that you say, man, I raised my kids out of church. All those years, never brought them to church. And now they're out of church today because I never gave them an example. And we're looking back saying, man, I wish I could go back. God says, stop it. You know what the thing is? You can't go back. Paul could not go back. When Paul got saved and all of his trash and all of the things that he counted as waste, he said, you know what I did? I brought them to the cross and I left them at the cross. He said, I had to leave them there. So you understand every single one of you, I don't care what's in your past, what mistakes you made or whatever, you've got to get it in your mind. The only way that you're going to press forward is to forget the past. Now, I'm not saying that there's not consequences. I mean, some of you are paying child support. Some of you guys have divorced. Some of you guys are in financial straits. Some of you are paying the consequences big time. I know that. Paul was too. Man, he had all sorts of baggage and things that he had to do and the physical ailments and things like that that came with it. But he said, man, if I'm going to press for the mark of the high calling of God, the one thing that I'm going to do is put my mind and heart on Christ and go for it. He said, the thing that I've got to do is I've got to stop looking back. Talk about a powerful message with so many of us. Do you have regret? Stop focusing on it. And That's, that's the principle there. If you're, lo- if you're looking here, you're not looking forward. And that, That's what he, he fi- finishes up. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. All of them had to do with the race. Everything had to do. But he talked about, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. He said, I've not obtained. He said, I've not arrived. He said, but I am focused on this one thing that I do. He said, I tell you what will change every single one of our lives in here. Put your focus on Jesus Christ and run for the race. I, I love even the, the way that he put that. He said, I press towards the mark. That also was part of a, you know, a sports term or whatever. He said that they would... Lunge forward, or they they would lean into it when they were about to cross the the finish line. He said, They give it all that they've got. He was describing that. He said, Man, I'm not only pushing forward, he said, I'm being zealous as I do it. I don't think it's enough. I've said this to you guys so many times. I do not believe it's enough for any one of us just to walk the race. Every time you hear about Christ giving us instructions, it's run the race, fight the good fight, you know, stand firm. Every, everything has that action power to it. Revelation, be zealous! That's what we do. Not passive. I lunge, I press, I pursue, I strive for the prize, the spiritual reward in heaven. Then he brings it home to them in verse 15: let us therefore, as many, be perfect the word perfect literally means striving or wanting to accomplish. Let us be like-minded. And if anything be any otherwise, God shall reveal it unto this unto you. He said, guys, we've got to be on the same page with this. As he's pulling them together, he said, guys, come here. Here goes. Let's do this together. I forgot. You guys need to forget too. I push forward. Will you run with me? He said, this one thing that I do, guys, will we have a single focus of running the race for Christ? Nevertheless, where to? We have already attained. Let us. I, I, I love that uniformity. I, I love how he does that. It's the, the, the Christian walk, the church, ever, never is about a person. It's never about elevating Paul. It's never about elevating somebody. He says in this, he said, he said let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. He said, guys, this, this is our new way of life. Not in bondage, not in works, not in what we did, not in our past, not in our heritage. He said, this is our new way of life. He said, let this all be in all of us as he's talking to this church. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Paul was telling Timothy to be thou an example of the believers. He's telling these guys, he said, listen, I haven't arrived He said that over. I've not yet apprehended. I've not arrived. But he said, I'll tell you this. You can look to me as an example of restored life. You can look at me as somebody that honestly wants to serve God with all my heart. And see me and know that somebody that has passion and zeal for God. He said, follow my example. He said, by the way, mark them. The word mark also means to notice them or call them out or whatever. Those that are doing the same thing. So get those in the church that are rallying around us. He said, Let's run this race together. Now notice this. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross. You talk about Bladen when he says this, he, this is going back to the dogs, okay? He he testifies in there it's only by the righteousness of God. It's, uh, he says, I I forget those things, they're dung, I pursue the future. And he said, by the way, those guys that are out there teaching another gospel another way, he labeled them as enemies of the cross. Can I tell you guys right now, somebody else out there that does things another way is not an enemy of the cross, even though sometimes we treat them that way. You guys don't know what I'm talking about, just like, well, we don't worship that way, or we don't, that, that's not what we're talking about. But they were literally saying that if you're not circumcised, you're not saved. If anybody... Preaches any other way to heaven, they are an enemy of the cross. Amen. Literally saying that's not the way, and all of a sudden we put our dukes up and say, Well, then what is the way? Because there is only one way. Right. And, and, and we have to, I don't go to war with other Christians. I don't go to war w- with the world, even though you sit there, the people of the world need to be reached. I'm trying to reach them, not fight them. They're in darkness. You want to fight? Bring me somebody that says that there's another way to heaven. And it's game on. That's why we go out and pick them up. That's why we do what we do. That's why we pass out tracts. That's why the Gideons are hitting the streets. That's why we're doing that. Because there is only one way and it's Jesus. Paul was so passionate about this. And by the way, he's saying, if I stir up a bunch of uh, stink right now and people get upset, he said, I'm ready to go. Let them come take my life. But he said, I can tell you this. I'm not going down without a fight. You talk about warning to them. Listen to this. He describes them whose end is destruction. He said, their works will lead you to hell. That's literally what he said. He said, what they're doing will lead you to hell. Whose God is their belly. This is the cravings of fleshly desires. You know, you sit there and say, you know what I'm really craving? And all of a sudden you get up and you drive 20 minutes to go get ice cream at 10 o'clock at night. You're, you of your flesh. You just think that I have to have that right now. And he said, their God is their belly. They do whatever they want to do. They're led of the flesh. Whose glory is their shame. The very thing that they made, Paul was saying, the very thing that they're building themselves up of their pedigrees and their degrees and everything else. He said, that's what's shaming them because they're putting it all about them. When it's not them, it's only Jesus Christ. Who mind earthly things, who is all about the here and now. But notice this closing. For our conversation, the word conversation in Scripture sometimes means a way of life. And here it means citizenship. So read it like this. For our citizenship is in heaven. That's what I was talking about when we were singing a few minutes ago. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You know what I love about this? Spiritually speaking in this world, we always tell people, when you accept Christ, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And everybody says amen. But you think about what Paul was saying, he said, when we get to heaven, let me tell you, All of the scars that I have, for me looking back in that life that I did, that he said, "Let me tell you the beauty of this." And maybe this gave him assurance, or you know, consolation. Just gave him peace in his heart. He said, "Guys, let me tell you, when I get home to heaven, it's all going to be brand new. I won't have the scars and the burns on my hands from looking back at my past. I I won't have all the regret and the shame. I won't have all that. God's going to take all this away. My vile body." He said, make all things new. And actually, he, he didn't just say all things new. He said, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be like him. I, I had this thought this past week. I actually jotted it down. If uh, God leads me to preach on this one day. Everything, everything that is bad and hurtful for us in this life is always temporal. You think about it, no matter what, think of something horrible. Death, Temporal. Cancer temporal, war temporal. Whatever you can think of, I promise you for us as believers, it's only going to last this long. I can't do any other. It's only going to last this long. But everything that God gives us that is peace, joy, love, satisfaction is forever. Everything. Paul was like, what are you going to throw at me with? He said, I'll tell you what, this one thing that I do, I'm going to run the race. And if the dogs come after me and they do this, he said, I'm going to have the resurrection because I identify with the power of his resurrection. By the way, when I get home to heaven, all things are going to be new and nobody can ever take that away. You talk about him built up and excited. Listen, who shall change our vile body and be fashioned to the glorious body according to the working whereby he is able. He is able. Once again, at the end of this, he puts all the glory not on himself, Not on all the things that he's done, not on his past or whatever. He turns around and goes, hey, by the way, everything that I have said, it's all God. It's all God who is able to even to subdue all things unto himself. No more. I'm ready for that. And I know right now that God has us here for a reason.